Welcome to the podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. Today's podcast is the latest in our series, Things I Can Do With My Fellowship. This series is designed to highlight the vast array of career opportunities that a fellowship in critical care can offer. Today, it's my pleasure to talk with Dr. Matt Hooper, who is the Chief Medical Officer for the South Australian Ambulance Service. He is an intensivist and emergency physician and is a senior consultant for MedStar Emergency Medical Retrieval Services and for the intensive and critical care units of Flinders Medical Centre in South Australia. Matt has played an instrumental role in developing retrieval services both in Queensland and South Australia and is uh, also running a retrieval certificate through James Cook University in Queensland. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Todd. A pleasure to be here. Matt, uh, obviously um, the the focus of this series is to uh, illustrate the different pathways that people can take um, once they've got their fellowship. Can you describe briefly your training pathway and how uh, how you went about it? Um, so my training uh, started in emergency medicine uh, and uh, did so in Adelaide originally. Um, my uh, interest in emergency medicine took me to Fremantle Hospital uh, and from there to South East Queensland. It was there that I got uh, an initial exposure and experience in uh, pre-hospital and retrieval medicine from Nambour Hospital. Uh, at that time, the service was running from the emergency department. Um, and with that experience, I ended up in the UK some a year or so later, uh, involved in both paediatric retrieval uh, as a intensive care fellow at St Mary's Hospital in Paddington and with the Great Ormond Street uh, Hospital for Sick Children. Uh, and onto a pre-hospital trauma care job with the uh, London Helicopter Emergency Medical Service uh, out of the Royal London. Um, returning to to uh, Australia, my interest was at that stage then um, fairly broad and had broadened beyond uh, my emergency medicine interest only, really, and particularly in the areas of intensive care, uh, having done quite a bit of paediatric intensive care uh, and pre-hospital medicine, pre-hospital trauma care and some retrieval medicine. Um, and I realised at that stage that, uh, that as many of uh, my other colleagues had, that dual qualification with, uh, with the College of Intensive Care Medicine uh, and the Emergency Medicine College was going to be uh, fairly beneficial to try and uh, have some scope across those important cross-border areas of emergency medicine and intensive care if I was going to have an involvement before patients even reached the hospital or between the hospital. So I, I continued on to... Uh, complete my intensive care training and that was done in, uh, in North Queensland in Townsville and it happened at that time that uh, the Queensland was progressing through a process of developing a single coordinated system of retrieval care across Queensland and uh, I became quite heavily involved particularly in the operational side of things with care flight medical services. So uh, it really was uh, one opportunity leading to the other in many ways and uh, and when the opportunity came to, to uh, to help and assist and lead a, a new service for South Australia, um, being that that was my starting point, uh, I took that up, and that was about four years ago now when I returned to Adelaide to take on that role. What was your career ambition when you started your vocational training? Did you know that you wanted to do uh, pre-hospital care? No, not really. I, I, um, my interest in emergency medicine was uh, uh, was 
multifaceted. It, it certainly was the clinical aspects of care and, and the fact that uh, you never quite would know what it was that you would be dealing with. You've had to vary your work from uh, from more technically based uh, assessment and, and technical skills such as wound management and or procedural skills through to more intellectual diagnostic skills through to team dynamics and human factors and, and communication and so forth. And I really enjoyed that element of of, uh, of emergency medicine. Um, and it was probably those interests that I saw could also be met, particularly in an area like pre-hospital retrieval, where, in fact, because of things like isolation and the complexity of care that has to fit in with the logistics of, of moving patients, I saw that even more importantly, the ability to, uh, to be able to be flexible, to have some redundancy, to develop good team dynamics uh, and to to be very conscious of good human factors of teamwork and uh, and how that can benefit the patient outcome. They were the things that I, I started to find very, very interesting in the pre-hospital and, and retrieval and our hospital phase. So I think it was just a natural progression of interest, really. That I think the two are very similar and, of course, managing critically ill patients is, is clearly part of everyday intensive care unit practice. It's just that it's a little different when you start to add uh, some of the logistic challenges and constraints of, of pre-hospital and retrieval medicine. How do you feel that your training in intensive care has influenced your, your pre-hospital care? Because obviously there's, there's no formal fellowship available in Australia, at least in retrieval medicine. Um, look, I think... Uh, I think we have some challenges ahead of us in defining the role and function of specialists in pre-hospital and retrieval medicine. And there are some other countries and jurisdictions who are grappling or and some of whom have solved some of this. The UK, you may or may not be aware, uh, now has uh, the uh, specialist college. They, they have, are looking probably to divide in some way the pre-hospital components of that with the retrieval components of that. But you're right, at present there is no one defining college or, or uh, overseeing faculty that, uh, that looks after pre-hospital and retrieval medicine. Uh, we're seeing a lot of emergency medicine trained specialists uh, developing an interest uh, and working with fractional commitments in the area. And they probably outnumber other areas uh, or other specialists quite significantly. I think the reasons for that are that uh, the emergency medicine uh, reflects and, and, and accredits retrieval terms uh, as trainees, so six or 12 month terms are often accredited for training uh, and although accreditation can be gained in, in other specialties, it's not seen necessarily, for example, in anaesthetic training as a module that must be done or should be done by all trainees uh, and the same in, in intensive care training, it's probably more likely to be uh, some additional training that's, that's not necessarily part of core training intensive care trainees. Um, I think there's some positives in that. I mean, emergency medicine trainees are, uh, are certainly very sort of flexible and, and have a broad conceptual knowledge of a whole range of issues. Um, I think one of the risks, speaking as an intensivist, is that we, we lose sight of the fact that the vast majority of the Australasian work is the movement of critically ill patients between facilities uh, rather than the, uh, the very specialist skills required in pre-hospital trauma care, which is about, on average, 20% or so of most Australian services work. So I think it's very, very important that we have strong uh, intensive care consultant 
specialist representation and involvement in Australasian retrieval and pre-hospital care going forward. I think there is a different slant of uh, clearly of, uh, of approach to patient care that those people bring and I, I think my training has given me that as most people particularly those that might have trained in two disciplines would know uh, there are clearly similarities but intensive care medicine uh, to the intensity that training in that specialty gives you does give you a different view of the critically ill or unwell patient and does give you some approaches uh, that are probably more effective for some of those patients in the early acute phases. Where do you think the place of retrieval is in training for ICU? Do you think that's something that we should be looking at? Look, I think, uh, I think there are many positives that can be gained from a, spending a period of time uh, in a dedicated capacity as a trainee in retrieval and pre-hospital care. I think the, if I look at MedStar and the sort of education that we're delivering now that is linking with, with uh, obviously the university programs as you, as you outlined at the beginning, uh, I don't think it's as unstructured as it was not that long ago. A decade, a decade or so ago it was uh, seen as something that you just got a quick overview of and you really only needed to use your skills that you brought from the hospital to be effective and off you go, here's the aircraft, um, good luck. But I think we realise that, that it is really quite a complex area and that whilst our medical skills are a really key cog in, in this, it's part of a very much more complicated machine really. And, and some of the skills that we teach, the human factors issues, the crew resource management, uh, the decision making skills that are that are influenced by a lot of logistic impacts around aircraft and, um, availability and distances and, uh, and physiology and of flight and so forth. But uh, they're really important skills that really do broaden uh, any trainee regardless of their background. Uh, and I think it, there would be enormous benefit in, in discussing the pros and cons of perhaps offering re retrieval medicine and or pre-hospital care as a, a module of training that was available perhaps both for anaesthetic-based trainees and also for intensive care specialists. You've obviously done a lot of retrieval over your time. What is it that, uh, that attracts you to the specialty particularly? Uh, to the specialty of retrieval and pre-hospital? Retrieval, yeah. Yeah, look, I think, um, I think the, uh, one of the attractions to working in emergency medicine early on for me was, I guess, the fact that you are there for all comers in many ways, uh, that, uh, that there's no selection as such. Um, in retrieval medicine, it's also about supporting uh, a population that, by the very nature of where they happen to be, are at a, an at-risk group or a disadvantaged group, if you like. Um, the vast majority of the patients we uh, assist are in regional and or remote areas, um, but even those that are on the streets of the metropolitan area just happen to have found themselves somewhere where they should not be and have overwhelmed the level of care available to them at that time in that place. And I, I think there's enormous reward uh, about getting a system that works to be able to actually provide the medical care that they need uh, in the right place at the right time with the right level of care and then get them to the right destination via the right transport. So lots of rights, which makes actually delivering it right every time difficult and there's always a wrong that will sneak in somewhere but I think there's enormous, I certainly gain enormous reward and so do many of my colleagues out of realising that even if people do run into difficulty in a small regional facility for example or uh, in a, have a severe accident and are entrapped in a remote uh, or even regional or outer metropolitan area that we can 
deliver very high level and advanced care to them as soon as possible. Um, and uh, simply because they're outside of the walls of the hospital doesn't mean they should be denied the level of care that they require to maximise their outcomes. So, so I think that's that's one of the one of the drivers. The other, as I mentioned, is really around uh, my interest in human factors and teamwork and leadership and what makes a, a team, a high performance team, having to work in a high acuity for high consequence environment uh, tick. What are, the, what are the common traits and can we teach these sort of uh, skills that, um, that are certainly translational into back into the intensive care unit environment and I certainly use many of the, the things I've learned over the years at the ICU bedside in terms of checks and callbacks and, uh, and briefs and debriefs and all those sorts of things that work very well in time critical out of hospital environments where you're limited in terms of backup and support. Now you've obviously moved more into a, or at least partly into a logistics and administrative area. Is is that something that um, came naturally to you, or is that something you've had to learn on the job? Um, I, I think the latter, really. It, um, I think there's enormous challenges that we all face in our clinical day-to-day work going forward and I think one of the biggest is a disconnect between the clinical drivers and the operational drivers at, at the front of uh, the, 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 the front line and the administrative and bureaucratic process that's required to make any of that happen. Um, I think some of the answer lies in clinicians becoming better leaders but it isn't easy and I've certainly found it very difficult to balance the need for clinical work, clinical which which follows with it clinical credibility uh, and validity in what I do, with uh, the administrative requirements of of having to be present at certain forums where your voice needs to be heard, so you can actually explain the clinical demand and why it is you need to do what it is that you do, especially for an area that's not well recognised. I think like pre-hospital or retrieval medicine, it's very difficult sometimes to engage politicians and, and administrators to explain why that area of care is so critically important when it's competing with many other very important areas of care as well. So I think I, I had to learn a lot about administrative process. Uh, I spent a year in the Department of Health here in South Australia when I first started this role and it was fascinating to see just what it took to take a good idea and move it up through a system and a structure like the Department of Health across somewhere up high and back down the other side into something that's actually implementable as a service model. Um, and it does give you some insight uh, into the, the difficulties that many of these administrators face. And many of them are very good people trying to work very hard to balance the needs of, of, uh, of a fairly demanding health population. And I, I do take my hat off to them. So I did. it was a privilege to be able to see that. In terms of this the skills or whether it came naturally, I, th- I think what I just tried to do was, was use the same things that seem to work in any workplace, uh, which is really just being open and honest with people and uh, and being straight up and, and enjoying uh, the work that you as best as possible um, and, uh, uh, and and try and work from there. And, and to a large extent, those things paid off, but, um, but you have to work within the political framework and the financial framework that you have, and that's not easy. You've obviously managed to tie together administration with clinical skills quite well, but you've also done some work with education, um, and I'm particularly interested in your role in the uh, development of the James Cook University Retrieval Certificate. Could you tell us about that? Well, I think um, 
going back some years now when I was in Queensland, uh, my role initially was was really around training and education initially and then later uh, overseeing operations for Care Flight in, in North Queensland. And that involved uh, providing support for three bases, being Mackay, Townsville and Cairns, separated by about a thousand k's, with training registrars in each of those bases. And it struck me that it was going to be very difficult to uh, to provide the sort of support and clinical governance that they needed. And we had a long think about how we might do that. And we really set up a very simple teleconferencing weekly process where we developed a training and teaching program that tried to cover some of the core aspects of retrieval and pre-hospital care and also ran through a, a sort of reflective case-based audit at the same time to offer some support and some clinical governance process. What came out of that uh, was, uh, I guess, a, a bit of a structured program that we ran through each six months then that covered some of the core topics that we saw were important in terms of understanding retrieval and pre-hospital medicine. And uh, it was, in fact, uh, one of the emergency medicine specialists at Townsville Hospital who has a strong academic interest at James Cook University, it's Peter Aitken, who uh, looked at that program and suggested that quite easily that could be uh, transitioned into a subject, uh, something that he had long thought would be a really good idea uh, at James Cook University. So the first step was a subject, part of a, a selection of subjects people could do working toward various programs, which was an introduction to aeromedical retrieval. But it went on from there to, uh, to incorporate some other core subjects, including uh, clinical care skills in, in retrieval medicine and flight crew skills, and, and then also uh, uh, a reflective case-based review uh, subject as well. And once it got to four subjects, it became a postgraduate certificate. So really that's how it developed. Um, I then handed on, when I left North Queensland, to, to Stefan Mazur, who's an emergency physician who took on the role in North Queensland. And between himself and Peter Aitken and a number of other key people, they were able to see that come to fruition and to implement the program, which I'm now academically involved in uh, as part of the faculty. Uh, the drivers really were start to try and standardise nationally hopefully what it is we're talking about and what we think uh, are some of the core concepts and key philosophies of care and try and tie them together uh, in a in a meaningful way for people and uh, I think what we're seeing is James Cook's not the only university offering such a program is some similarities in, in those programs that are being delivered um, and when we do look to perhaps develop a college or a faculty down the track we'll probably draw on some of that academic uh, work um, when we start thinking about a syllabus or uh, a body of work that would need to reflect the area of specialty. In terms of if somebody was, say, a, uh, sorry, a junior staff member was now looking to go into retrieval medicine as a career, what sort of advice would you give them in terms of their training pathway? Uh, look, I think, I think it's uh, absolutely appropriate that they... Uh, seat themselves very firmly in a critical care discipline. And um, as I mentioned, many are coming from a background of emergency medicine, uh, fewer from anaesthetics or intensive care, but there are still uh, some who do. There are a few, like myself, who have had uh, experience in both areas. But I think, uh, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing for pre-hospital retrieval to be completely independent uh, in terms of ongoing work. I think full-time work 
in the area, uh, in the Australasian context, is perhaps um, potentially a bit isolating. That's my personal belief. So I think a, a balanced role that includes some in-hospital work and potentially some teaching and education and or administrative commitments um, for someone is probably what they should be looking for longer term, perhaps not to think that that's all they're going to do. And I have seen some trainees who have perhaps uh, fallen out of training in one of the other critical care disciplines that perhaps now see pre-hospital retrieval medicine as the area they can specialise in uh, on its own. And I'm, I'm not so sure that's necessarily going to give them a, a sort of balanced clinical um, workload, although that's that's only really my own opinion. So the first thing I'd say is they probably need to think about an area of critical care medicine that interests them beyond the pre-hospital retrieval phase. Then I would um, suggest they uh, look to develop experience in rele relevant areas and uh, and particularly in, in, in different services. There are obviously a number of services around Australia that have similarities and differences and are developing closer ties, most certainly. And many services such as Benstar, which have strong links internationally now with uh, obviously with London um, and with other paediatric services around the country and overseas. And I think it's a bit of a walking into one room and other doors open type of area as it, as it was for me in some ways that once you do develop some experience there are a lot of other opportunities that start to become available to trainees and, uh, and they really can do some very exciting and interesting work um, and I think so, in, in essence they probably need to think about perhaps doing some years in different types of services and then think about committing a fraction of their consultant life to uh, to a service um, focusing on pre-hospital retrieval medicine. Well, Matt, it's been a wonderful chance to discuss uh, what you've done, and I think you've provided a, a wonderful illustration of things that you can do with your fellowship, and uh, thank you very much for your time today. Well, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much for the opportunity. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not visit our website, Critique is a leading provider of online critical care education. Multimodal resources such as podcasts, interactive modules, a journal club, an interactive echo module and much, much more are available. Why not visit us today? www.crit-iq.com.au